Thank you for being here uh, today on this special day when we honor our fathers and we honor godly men that are endeavoring to live righteous lives, raise their families in the fear of God. Amen. They are righteous men are the backbones of our country. They're the backbone of a church and uh, they're the backbone of the strength of many different communities and I'm so thankful that this church has a strong group of men that are committed to their homes, their wives, their families, their children, and to their God. Let's give all of our men a big hand. Amen. It's a privilege to pastor such great men. I turn your attention this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. Reading Genesis chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 and then... I want to look over uh, the book of Luke chapter 8, Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, and unto Adam he said, Behold, or because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, you get in trouble if you obey your wife, but not God, just saying. Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Then looking over in Luke chapter 8. Verses 5, 6, and 7. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. I'd like to speak this morning on this subject, overcoming the curse of thorns. Overcoming the curse of thorns. Would you bow your heads? Let us pray together. Lord, we're thankful for your word and thankful for your people that are gathered in your house today. Thankful, Lord, for this wonderful atmosphere that we have already experienced your presence and your love. We ask you, God, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. We ask you, Lord, that you would allow us to enter into your presence with boldness and confidence, knowing, God, that you will receive us and that you will change us from the inside out. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. After sin entered the human race in the Garden of Eden, there were curses that were given out to the woman and to the man and to the serpent. The curses that went out to the man dealt with the toils of life. Man would eat bread or make a living by the sweat of his brow. In other words, life would not be a life of leisure. And also, life would be limited. We would die. We were not created to die, but the Bible says that in the day you sinneth, you shall surely die. And so there became that shelf life of humanity 
because of the injection of sin. It was also said that we would grow old and we would return to the dust from where we came, created, formed from this dust. We are natural human beings, and yet we have inside of us an eternal essence. The spirit of man and the soul of man is something that will live on forever somewhere. But there was also a curse of thorns. We would eat of the ground and the ground would be filled with thorns. Apparently, prior to this curse in the Garden of Eden, there were no thorns. There were no thistles. There were no sand spurs for all of you that grew up in Florida. How many of you know what sand spurs are? Yeah, that was a curse I was acutely aware of as a boy. Because it seemed like we all just loved to run around barefooted. And we had two enemies that our bare feet struggled with on a daily basis. The first one was hot asphalt streets. Because when you try to walk down the street barefooted on a hot summer day, you're going to be uh, looking for some shade before long. Because your feet will just send all kind of messages to your brain that you need to change your location. And so you would try to get off the street and get into the grass, but then you had to deal with sand spurs. It seemed like any area where there was a vacant lot, it was, you know, sand and it was grass and, and it was thorns. You would get these thorns, these sand spurs, and they would get up in between your toes and get on your feet, and they just grew wild everywhere. I say they like as they don't happen anymore. It still does. It's just I've got enough sense now to wear shoes. But they're still out there, and they're all over the place. And I can remember as a boy at night having to go get my mom's tweezers and having my foot over the top of my lap and trying to pull these little thorns out of your feet from all of the sand spurs. And one night I was complaining about all the sand spurs while I was trying to pick out the splinters, and my dad came over and showed me this verse in the Bible. And so he read this to me, which at the time I'm thinking, this is not helping me any, but he read this verse to me, and I said, so this is all Adam's fault? And he said, yes. I didn't care much for Adam after that. But the crazy thing about thorns is that they grow with everybody trying to grow something else. Thorns need no encouragement to grow. There's nobody watering thorns and talking to them in sweet voices and saying, you're growing to be a big plant now, aren't you? There's, there's none of that with thorns. No one has to help them grow. There's a lot of things that are designed to try to keep them from growing. You know, and their cousin, weeds, grow everywhere without any encouragement. And these thorns and these weeds and all these things, they're amazing because they're so durable. They can grow when it's rainy. They can grow when there's a drought. They can grow when the sun is shining. They can grow when there is no sun shining. And they just grow while you're trying to grow something else that's very beautiful. In the parable that we read in Luke 8, in fact, even Bishop Myers talked about this morning in the adult class, we find that the seed that is sown that the Lord is sharing this parable with is, is the Word of God. He's saying the Word of God went out and it fell on these four different types of ground and 
The different types of ground is the condition of our heart. Four different types of soil or different conditions of our heart. But the one that gets us the most, I believe, is the thorns. These thorns are outside conditions that have a way of crowding out the Word and the things of God. There's nothing wrong with the seed and many times there's nothing wrong with the soil. It's not hard. It's not dry. It receives the Word. The Word does its work and then the trouble begins. The trouble begins because of all the other stuff that grows in our life without any encouragement, without trying to make it grow, without looking for it to be a part of our life. Thorns just show up. And we all have them. They're in our life in so many ways. Luke chapter 8 and verse 14 says something that I want to pull our sermon from this morning. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, referring to when they had received the word, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. In other words, God called us, God saved each and every one of us, not just so we'd go to heaven, but so that we would bear fruit on this earth, this garden that we are in. And there are things that hinder us from being able to bear fruit or to bring fruit to perfection. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to our spiritual growth is just the abundance of other things growing. Where the word is trying to grow. If I can say it this way, there are spiritual thorns. And they just come around us. There are things that this particular verse speaks about that I want to uh, talk to you about tonight, uh, this morning. And uh, one of them is, uh, I believe the first one that he mentions here is that it's called cares. Cares. Most of the cares in life that we have, especially as men, they come to us from two areas. Work and worry. Work and worry. Those are two of the things that come from cares. And this is the thing about thorns that make them so prickly. Thorns can be both good and bad at the same time. That's what makes them so difficult to deal with. Because if you look at it from the natural world, thorns can serve a useful purpose in terms of keeping certain predators away and, and whatnot. The other, the other day we were driving in the car and my little five-year-old girl, which I didn't even realize because she has conversations all by herself, but she was looking out the window and she was looking at some bees and, and, and they were buzzing around and, and my wife and I were in the front seat and we were talking about something else and she's uh, looking at these bees and watching them and all of a sudden she made this one statement and we all perked up because it was uh, ironic. She said, that bee is not sharing. <laughs> we were like, what? She said, that bee over there has some honey and is not sharing with the others. And I thought to myself, she has spotted a bee flying around out there and she's going to put her, her moral righteousness on a bumblebee. I'm like, yeah, but they have stingers and she said they should still share. And I thought to myself, isn't it ironic that even with kids, there's this sense of what is right and what is wrong. And they feel like all of nature should obey it. <laughs> well, the thing about thorns is thorns can have a positive use, but they can also have negative at the same time. That's why it's so difficult to totally 
eliminate them out of our lives. And I don't know that we can ever totally eliminate thorns from our life. In fact, Job said this in Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Man that is born of a woman, which is all of us, is a few days, meaning we're not going to last long, and full of trouble. That's what I wanted to do today was encourage you in the Lord. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Number one, you're not going to be around long. And number two, the time that you're here is going to be a whole bunch of trouble. Isn't that encouraging? I think, though, that lets us know that life is going to have cares. Life is going to have thorns. And maybe there is a way that we can minimize the cares in our life and overcome the curse of thorns. But I don't know if we're ever going to be able to totally eliminate them. Maybe we can just mitigate their effect in our life. Let's go into what the Lord talked about, looking at Matthew chapter 6. I believe that Jesus teaches us a lesson. And he teaches us how that we can deal with some things. Now let's talk first of all about worry. There's two things I want to mention to you about worry. And again, worry can be good and bad. If you don't worry about anything, that can be bad. You do need to worry about some things. You need to worry about your home and making sure, you know, your family's safe and protected and provided for. There are things that worry is good for. But yet we know that worry can totally debilitate us. I, I use the example of a fire. If a fire's in a fireplace and it's being harnessed, it can create an ambience and it can create warmth and it, it can be something even for survival. If it's out, you know, and it's, it's contained in, in the woods and you're camping and you're so forth, you got to get something to start, you know, to warm, fire to warm and to, you know, cook and keep away wild animals. So fire in its proper context can be good. But yet we know fire out of its proper context can be very destructive. And I think a lot of these thorns are the same way. Worry in and of itself may not be evil, but many times it takes over. Now, here's what we do know. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27. First of all, the first thing I want to talk about in terms of worry is this. Don't worry about stuff you can't change. Because that's wasted worry. And it becomes more and more frustrating because it's like those thorns that just sort of overrun a place. You can start worrying about something and worrying about it and worrying about it. And at some point, you got to back off and say, me worrying about it is not going to change the outcome. You say, yeah, but I just want to worry about it. You know what? You'll live longer if you take that worry, you take that thorn and just dismiss it and say, I'm going to put it in God's hands. Oh, hallelujah. Now, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto a stature. You know what that means? If you're short, say, man, I really wish I was tall. I want to be tall. If you're a young person, you're like, I'm not going to ever be tall. You may be a, a young man, and you're like, I'm never going to have a girlfriend if I don't get tall. Am I tall? Am I growing? Am I growing? Mom, dad, brother, sister, am I growing? Listen, don't feel bad. I was in high school and was five feet tall. You won't ever believe this, but my 10th year at O'Galley High School, we did the drama A Christmas Carol, and I played Tiny Tim. That's a true story. In 10th grade, I was about that tall. But here's what Jesus is saying, is take no thought. If you worry, it's not like you get taller by worrying about it. You can't add to your stature. So there's things that are out of our control. Why worry about it? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. Take therefore 
no thought for the morrow. Talking about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, why is the Lord saying this? Saying we're not supposed to plan ahead? No. What the Lord is saying here is that there's no need for you to worry about tomorrow because you can't do anything about tomorrow yet. Because tomorrow is not here. A lot of people spend their life looking forward and saying, oh, if I could just be there, if I could just have that. People that are single say, oh, I'll be happy if I get married. Then they get married and they're like, I'll be happy if I just have kids. And then they have kids and they're like, I'll just be happy when the kids go out and move and go to college and get out of here. And then they get married and they're like, I'll just be happy when my kids have grandkids. And, and then I'll be happy and they're like, I'll be happy if I can get rid of this spouse and get another spouse. I mean, people are always thinking they're going to be happy if it's happy. What about today? What about June 21st, 2015? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Worrying about things that are out of our control. So it means that this, this worry, this thorn can sometimes get just in and it can just bug us to death. That's the thing about thorns is they don't necessarily cause you to not be able to walk. You can still function, but it's not very comfortable. It's an irritant. And so many things in life are just an irritant, something to just bug us and to bother us. So we can't worry about things that are out of our control. Just put it in God's hands and God will take care of it. Now, here's the next thing that we don't need to worry about. Don't worry about impressing others. That's another thing that will drive you crazy. People's opinions are so fickle and people spend so much time and attention trying to impress other people. You say, oh, now, Pastor, I don't think that's true. Just read Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to Home Depot now. God bless you. I'm glad you're going. <laughs> There's so much in the world that we live in that we're always trying to impress us. Now, here's what the Lord said about this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast... Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Now, when the, when the Pharisees fasted, they wanted everybody to know how spiritual they were. So when they fasted, they let everybody know they were fasting. They got all black stuff put around their eyes. They walked around with a real horrible look on their face. They were so miserable, so sad. They're like, what's wrong with chief priest so-and-so? And they'd be like, he's fasted today. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank God he's fasting. I don't have to fast, you know. And, it made them all feel better about their religious leaders. He said this, For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Now, I talked about this Wednesday night. I think some Christians live their life like this. They think they're more spiritual by being miserable. And they've always got this, this frown and this scrawl on their face. What's wrong with him? I think he's a Christian. didn't know it's totally contrary to biblical principle Bible said he's come to give us life and life more abundantly if there anybody ought to be smiling it ought to be Christians it blew all them people away the other day you know that crazy nut that went went up there in South Carolina and killed a bunch of people in a church and then they had uh, I think it was the bail hearing or something arraignment on this guy and they had all the people that, that were at 
the, 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 the people that were at the church that he killed in a prayer meeting, their family members were all there. And one by one, they all got up and said, we forgive him. The media didn't know what to do with that. Say, what? Every person got up and I said to somebody, that's because they're all Christians. It's because they love God. It's because they know that forgiveness liberates them. Because if you don't forgive, you stay a captive. But as soon as they said, you know what, we forgive him. You know what they were saying? He's in the hands of a righteous God. I ain't going to worry about because I got freedom. And it doesn't mean those people aren't hurting. They're not suffering. They're suffering today. They lost husbands and wives and fathers. You talk about a Father's Day. Some of those people lost their father in a prayer meeting. Because some guy comes in with a gun and he wants to kill. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to sometimes back off and say, God, I'm going to worship you and serve you. And I'm not going to let anything in this world taint my spirit. I'm not going to let anything come into me that's going to be a thorn and cause me to not be able to worship you. Hallelujah. With a full heart and a full life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that the Lord took away our burdens and gave us freedom to live above. All of the emotions that can capture us and hold us in a place of paralysis. And then he goes on to say, they, they disfigure their faces that may appear in the men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They got their reward. Their reward is people going, oh, so that's their reward. Well, guess what? If you get your reward here, you don't get your reward there. This is what he was saying. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now here he's talking about it in terms of spiritual uh, disciplines. But I think as a whole, we spend way too much time worrying about what other people think. People are not nearly as worried about you as they are about themselves. So you're better off to just please God and let everything else take care of itself. And that doesn't mean you go around being rude just for the sake of being rude. You do all, the Bible says to seek peace with all men. But guess what? If somebody's got an issue, that's between them and God. I'm going to keep on serving God and loving God and walking with God and coming to church and lifting my voice and magnifying God. But if you're not careful, the enemy will try to get you shadow boxing, fighting paper tigers. Well, I don't like the way he looked at me. I don't like the way she looked at me. I don't like what this one's thinking. I don't want that. That one's coming over here, and I know what they're thinking because I can tell their face and their eyebrow did that, and their ear poked out that way, and I know they're thinking this and thinking that. And all you can spend your life with all imaginary enemies, worrying yourself to death. Oh, hallelujah. Paul said, even so do we speak not as pleasing men, but pleasing God which trieth our heart. Oh, if I can please God with my life, if I can please God with my lifestyle, if I can please God with my praise, hallelujah. That's what I want my focus to be on. Everything else is just a thorn that'll irritate you. That's worry. Now, the next part of cares is work. Our work. And again, it's like we said earlier, Thorns can be good and bad. We have to work. We know that. But let's look at what the Lord said about it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 28, 29, and 30. And why take ye thought for raiment? This is what you wear. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you 
that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So much time, attention, and work is spent on things that really are not going to have any eternal value. The lesson here is not that work is evil or it's ungodly. Work is mentioned over and over and over in the Word of God as the avenue for God's blessings in our life. But the lesson here is that after you have worked, trust in the sovereignty of God to take care of you and your family. You do all that you can and let God take care of the rest. Folks, it's still a life of faith, and we still got to get back to the point that God, hallelujah, is going to be faithful to his word. And David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or its seed begging bread. Oh, hallelujah. You know, that tells me that if you and I can live a righteous life, God's not only going to look after us, he's going to look after our children as well. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, I know some of you say, well, I'm just a workaholic. I understand I'm a goal-oriented, you know, type A personality myself. But several years ago, the Lord sat me down and showed me where the majority of the good things that had happened in my life were not the sole result of my own actions or decisions. They were the blessings of God. And if we're not careful as men, we will get our identity from our work exclusively rather than from our work and from our God. You've got to get your identity not just from what you do, but from who you serve. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm not, you know, the Bible talks a lot about being slothful. It's not that there's some sort of a license to be lazy, but there comes a point in time where you've got to say, God, I've done all I can do. Now I'm going to come to the house of God on a Sunday and I'm going to worship you. Hallelujah. And I'm going to know that on Monday you got my back and you're going to take care of me. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord and thank him that he's a faithful God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The next thing that the Lord mentioned in Luke 8 as being a thorn is, is riches or wealth. Not only worry and work, but wealth. There are more divorces, suicides, and crimes of bad decisions that are associated with wealth than anything else in our culture. And yet, it's hard not to focus on money because we live in a culture that puts so much emphasis on it. And like we said about all these different things, in its proper context, it's a vehicle for spreading the gospel. It's a vehicle for blessing others. It's a vehicle for doing so many positive things. And many times in our world, we, we see money as the passport to security, independence, happiness, quality of life. And even though it seldom brings any of those things on its own, it does, we have to admit, contribute to a certain degree to all of those things. It's like one fellow said, I know that money is not the most important thing in life, but it can buy whatever's in first place. <laughs> well, we know that's not true. That's tongue in cheek. But we know from the word of God, and this is what I think is so clear, because the Bible talks about it. Two things you may look at uh, just from a layman's viewpoint, and it may look like it contradicts. One, one scripture says that, that money is the root of all, the love of money is the root of all evil. Another verse, it says that money answereth all things. So how are those two things 
juxtaposed together to make sense. Well, it has to do with the fact that money in and of itself is not evil. But when you fall in love with it, when it consumes you, that's when it says, that's why the Bible says it's the love of money. It's not so much that money is evil, it's how do we react to it. Let me break it down a little bit more. How much of our heart do we give to it? Hmm. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Again, the teachings of Christ. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing you can invest in. Not necessarily companies. Not necessarily Wall Street. Not necessarily foreign currencies. The greatest thing you can invest in is in people. Because ladies and gentlemen, everything else is going to fall apart. But if you can win somebody to the Lord, all of eternity, think about the investment of that. This is what was being taught. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you really love, what you've treasured, that's where your heart, your heart will follow those things. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's a biblical term for money. You can't serve both. So always remember this. The more you give yourself to the pursuit of riches, the more riches will require of you. It's just a principle. It will always require more than it gives. How can you know this? Well, look at humanity. The people that worry the most about money are the people that have the most money. They're the ones worried all the time. They're worried about losing it. I've got this little this. I don't want that. Happening. And the way that riches begin to choke you is not how much you have, but how much does the money have you? It's not about how much money you have. It's how much of you does the money have. Does that make sense? So Y'all are getting nervous because you're afraid I'm going to take up an offering. It's a perfect illustration to how this is a thorn. It just starts to prick. You know, already some of you are like, you better not be kidding me. Because that's what riches does. It just works on us. And we have to focus on pulling back from that and saying, God, every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights. And put it all in God's hands. So we've got to be focused on one thing. This is what the Lord is talking about, being single-minded, that I being single. What was he talking about? He's talking about being focused on what's the purpose of it. Let it be something that doesn't control you, but that you control it. And then it will not become a thorn and take over your life. So that's something that's important. And all my life, I think you've seen this if you've been around for a period of time, but I've seen it because I've been in church since I was about one week old. But all my life I have seen where real revival and spiritual renewal always starts with a spirit of giving. It always does. You know what it does? It says, God, you're going to be the Lord of my life. So don't ever be afraid of that. Somehow when we give, we lessen the curse of affluence. We say, well, we're one of the most affluent countries in the world. We are, but there's so many curses that go with that. If you don't believe that, just travel to other countries and see other cultures. 
Solomon was one of the wisest and one of the wealthiest men to live. And he wrote this in Proverbs chapter 22. And I start in verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns, he even describes it as thorns. Verse 5, thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Now I want you to remember that phrase because that's one of the ways that we overcome the curse of thorns. He gives it to us in verse 5. He that doth keep his soul. Remember that because I believe that's part of the solution. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Now let me finish with one other thing that was mentioned in this illustration. Not only is it work and worry and wealth, but then finally the Bible describes it as the pleasures of life, which I would like to title today as wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Some time ago my wife was reading to me an article from a ladies home journal that was an interview with Madonna. I became interested in what I was hearing and went back and found some of my notes that I had taken down on this. Here's what Madonna said to the ladies home journal. We live in a society that encourages people to just live based on decisions of what we see and feel. Everything is about marketing and advertising. We're raised to believe the world begins and ends with our five senses. We live in a world that's full of distractions and tinsel and things that are going to distract us from looking inward. I do care about the state of my soul, but there is this great movie playing down the street or there is this football game that I want to watch. We are constantly bombarded with the seduction of our senses. End of quote. This is Madonna talking. Ladies Home Journal said, you spent a lot of time seducing our, our senses. You were part of the machinery, the engine creating our pop culture. Do you now say, I was a distraction? Madonna. Yes, I know I was. Definitely. There were times when I wanted to help people. But most of the time, I was just showing off. I was shouting, look at me. I wasn't thinking responsibly. I wasn't thinking that everything I say and do has an effect on the world around me. I let myself be tricked by the physical world, knowing I was getting attention, letting it pump up my ego. Sometimes now I sit back and say, what was I thinking? Then she concludes with this. I am a person who is searching. I have lived the highest highs and the lowest lows. I've obtained all those things that everybody wants to obtain. And I'm here to say it doesn't mean anything. If you don't have the other things in your life, then all the money in the world and all the beautiful children in the world and all the talented husbands in the world are not going to make you happy. End of quote. So if you can't take it from me, take it from Solomon and Madonna. You get to the end of the rainbow and there's no pot of gold. This coming from a person who had pursued pleasure for over two decades. Here's what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans. That in the last days, our generation would be described as pleasure seekers. Now, I hate to tell you, I try not to violate my own message by worrying about things that I can't control. But I do find myself 
being concerned about the men in our generation. I see good-hearted men being choked out with the thorns of work and worry and wealth and wishful thinking. The remedy for the stress in life is not more pleasure. That's simply wishful thinking. I'm amazed at how many people live in that fantasy world. That's why you have so many people playing the lottery. I watch them in 7-Eleven as they fill out the cards and scratch it off. They live in, in a realm of wishful thinking. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it overcame me one day. I saw a woman doing all of this, putting all of her money in this, turning over her welfare check. She had kids hanging out the window of her car. And she was giving all of her money and I saw her doing this and I thought she's just trying to buy hope. She's trying to buy hope. She's wanting to be out of this condition that she's in. And so I stood behind her and I watched her do all this and she got all done and she didn't win anything. She had her head down. She got ready to walk out. I said, ma'am, can I say something to you? She said, yeah. I said, you know you have a better chance of going outside and getting struck by lightning than you do standing here and pulling all your money into this. She said this to me, and I'll never forget it. She said, it's the only thing I've got to hope for. And I thought, that's a microcosm of the world that is around us. I've come to tell somebody, your hope is not in the Florida lottery. Your hope is not in wishful thinking. Your hope is in a God that is faithful, that can deliver you from your sins by just asking for it. Thank you, Jesus. The remedy is not more possessions. The remedy is not more vacations. The remedy is not wishful thinking. The remedy is spiritual renewal. I can get back to where I was created to be and say, God, I want to be back to that place where you originally created man, where he was in fellowship with you. That's where Adam was before the thorns came. He was in fellowship with God. He talked with him every day. There was peace and there was harmony. That's where the, the real answers for life are, my friend. Jesus concluded his speech in Matthew 6 by saying this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all what things? All the things that every one of us long for in life, contentment, fulfillment, purpose, passion. All of these things shall be added unto you. We overcome the curse, first of all, by keeping our soul. Being vigilant, watching over it. Don't let anything lodge in your spirit that's going to cause you to lose your salvation. Don't let everything get into your heart or into your soul but you got to keep your soul. You got to guard it. You got to maintain it. You got to be pure before the Lord with a spirit and a life that will glorify Him in the midst of any situation. That's what those people were doing in South Carolina. They were keeping their soul. This is why we forgive because we're going to keep our soul. I'm not going to let anything lodge in here. I'm going to keep my soul. you got to keep your soul because there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of disappointment and there's a lot of struggles and there's a lot of thorns in this life. Keep your soul. Protect it. And then 
Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the way we overcome the curse. Seek first the kingdom of God. We give ourselves to the pursuit. I think the key word there is seek. We give ourselves to the pursuit of spiritual things. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. The things of God. The Holy Spirit. That closer walk with God. Seek for repentance. Seek for saying, God, I want to be different today than I have been in the past. I want to give my heart and my life to you. You may not be necessarily a bad person, but you just see all of these thorns that have crowded your mind and your spirit. And it affects your relationships and your home and everything around us. How do we overcome that curse? Because it's a curse that every man has to deal with keep your soul protect your soul protect your soul by protecting what your eyes look upon because your eyes are the gateway to your soul watch what you watch be careful what you allow to ingest into your mind don't let your ears take in a bunch of junk walk away change the channel move your location find better friends but above everything Keep your soul. And once you have put up that guard on your soul, say, now I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm not worried about what this world's going to do. I just know for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I'm going to make God a priority in my life. I'm going to make God a priority in my marriage. I'm going to make God a priority in my kids. Because I want to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek for a healing of your mind. Seek for a cleansing of your soul. It all comes down to the word seek, which requires action on our part. Would you stand to your feet? It all requires action on our part. What is it that will allow us to be able to come before the Lord today and to be able to say, God, I'm going to put everything at this altar We'll leave it all right here. Sure, I've been dealing with some thorns, but I believe the Word of God can help me to overcome the curse of thorns and allow me to enter into His presence. I wonder if every man that's in this place today, if you would say, I want to be a man of purpose. I want to be a man of honor. I want to be committed to the things of God. I wonder if every man would step out from where you're standing. Would you come down to this altar? beautiful we're going to pray for our men today thank you Jesus come on I want hell to see this mighty army of righteous men in this South Bavard area beautiful beautiful men coming from all over the building it's beautiful thank you men There's nothing like the sight of godly men coming together and saying, Lord, we're going to bless the Lord at all times. Some more are coming. I want to give you just a couple of minutes so that everybody can get down here. This is so beautiful. We've almost got enough room for everybody. There's some room over on this side. This great army of men. Isn't this a powerful thing? God bless you, men. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Powerful. 
One day as the quartet was singing, we all are going to get to heaven. But right now on this earth, we got some thorns to deal with. But we've got a God, hallelujah, that took a crown of thorns. And when they put it on his head, I believe it was the way Jesus was saying, I can take everything that has caused pain in your life and I'll take it upon my body. And they put it down into his scalp and the blood ran down. But I see it as the ultimate act of overcoming the curse of thorns. Everything I need, I find in him. And I know that it would be the enemy's number one priority to try to attack men your minds and your hearts and your souls and your spirits but I'm thankful for a group of men that have gathered down here today to say on this Father's Day we're gonna commit ourselves unto the Lord and we're gonna protect our soul and we're gonna seek first the kingdom of God here's what I want to ask you men to do we're gonna pray a special prayer right now ladies if you don't mind just putting your hands forward and praying from the audience I know many of you are praying ladies but we're going to pray right now, men, and I want you to lift up your hands and lift up your voice. And I want you to say, God, I will commit myself to keep my soul. And I will commit myself today to seek first the kingdom of God. Would you do that right now? Lord, I can't worry about tomorrow. I can't worry about the past. Come on. You don't have to live your life in regret over the decisions of your past. But you say, today, I stand before you. You are a righteous God. You are my strength and my song and a strong tower that I run to in a time of peace. That's it. I'm going to seek the Spirit of God. I'm going to seek the hand of God upon my life. That's it, men. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice in the name of Jesus.